Are you here? Well, now that you're here, we can all get together and have a little fun. It's the Paul Leslie Hour with our backstage interview of drummer, songwriter, recording artist Adam Topol. This interview was recorded backstage in Atlanta, Georgia at the famed Lakewood Amphitheater. Now, Adam Topol is known to many of you as the drummer and percussionist with Jack Johnson and his band. Adam Topol is also a solo songwriter and recording artist. He's known for his performances with his own band, Culver City Dub Collective, and continues to tour with Jack Johnson even to this day. And as you'll soon hear, Adam Topol is also a super nice guy. Hey, it'd be real nice of you. You could be a super nice guy if you subscribe to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel and even liked the Paul Leslie Hour on Facebook. And it'd be a big help to us. And it also keeps you plugged in to all of our interviews and reviews. Well, I think it's time we heard from Adam Chopel. Hey, let's listen together. All right. This is Paul Leslie, the King of Serene. We're backstage at Lakewood Amphitheater. Our guest is Mr. Adam Topol, our known drummer and percussionist. So on behalf of our listening audience, I'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you. So blessed to be here. Thank you. I wanted to get a bit, a bit of your history. Could you tell us how music found you? Yeah, music found me through the drums. It's weird. I, I, I talked to a lot of musicians and like most people agree that like an instrument or not most many people agree that like a musician chooses them more than they choose an instrument. I mean, you'll hear the case of like the kid in band class that gets stuck with the clarinet or stuck with the trombone or whatever. And then and then it grows on them like an arranged marriage or something like that. But uh, in my case, like I was a little too little too rambunctious for band class and, and stuff. But I just remember when I was a kid seeing somebody set up a set of drums and it was like a just a a cover band or whatever and just the whole mystical thing of like these stands popping open and these erecting this drum set this contraption and it was like magic to me and i was like I just remember being like mystified with it you know more than any other instrument but what is it about the drum that you think you love so much oh god i don't know man it's just the instrument itself it's 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 the architecture of a drum set or a conga it's 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 like hitting something. It's like subdividing time. It's creating a feel. It's creating a pulse. When I hear drumming, it just it makes me feel so incredible. You know, a good a good beat. And yeah, it's just different people gravitate towards different things. I mean, for me, like old drums and cymbals and new drums and cymbals and percussion and music involving a beat, it just means everything to me. You know, it's yeah, the feel, the playing, the construction of it. What about your influences, percussion and drum? Yeah, kind of like either some of the great percussionists, like, well, drum set, certainly a lot of us drummers would listen to somebody like Alvin Jones or Max Roach or Billy Higgins or Kenny Clark or Paul Motion or any of these jazz greats and, and, and be moved. Tony Williams, of course, Philly Joe, all those guys, like, most drummers go go through and, and get into bebop and jazz and even big band and stuff. But, you know, then the funk guys like Zygmo to less from the meters and anybody that played with James Brown, the JBs, you know, mind-blowing stuff. This drummer named Tony Allen, who who's still alive, who played with Fela Kuti and who kind of was instrumental in creating Afrobeat music. I love him. Um, 
love a lot of the British rock drummers, you know, Bonhams and such. Even the guy from Radiohead, he's, he's incredible. A lot of the British rock drummers are cool too. And then the Jamaican guys in that category. So Carlton Barrett and uh, Sly Dunbar is a pretty amazing, you know, all those guys, you know. Did you ever get into a conga player named Ralph McDonald? Oh yeah, he's incredible. I heard him play at the Yamaha Groove Night All-Stars. And I really like his story of the fact that he he played congas, but then he's also became a songwriter and wrote some hit songs too. Very empowering for a drummer to take himself away from the side guy role and into a compositional role. We park our cars in the same garage. Really? Ralph was one of my all-time favorite guests. Oh, incredible. It's very interesting the styles of music that you play. Uh, for example, on the album Ritmo y Canto, the Afro-Cuban feel. Mm -hmm. What got you interested in that style of music? You know, I was going to Berklee College of Music in Boston, and I, I, I was introduced to one of my closest friends. His name is Ben Crames, and he's a very incredible hand percussionist and, and a really great Bay Area drummer. And he was going to Cuba a lot to study Afro-Cuban percussion. There was a program called uh, Caribbean Music and Dance. And they would take they would take Americans to Cuba, American students to study. And I went on this course for two weeks, and and I was hooked. And it was just dumb luck that like you got there, and immediately you were basically introduced to the the inventors of of the uh, some of the the innovators of the art forms. You know, a guy like who named Changuito, a guy who's recently passed who played with Cachan and Tata Wines, a lot of the guy you know Roberto Vizcaino, who's incredible. Like all the the best congueros basically were there, and I didn't know how to speak Spanish, and I didn't know the first thing about about clave or about the about this family of rhythms. But it it definitely wanted me. It definitely made me want to start getting into it, and maybe want to stay in music because like if music was just about Rolling Stone magazine and and the whole pop scene and all that, I would have quit a long time ago. Because for me, that's not I'm not a scene guy. I'm not a scenester guy. But but when I when I went to Cuba, it was like People danced and played from the heart. I mean, you'd see people that worked in hospitals, people that were dock workers, people that were cab drivers. They could sit down on a table with a pair of spoons or on a box and play some rumba and play this stuff that would that would that would just floor you. So it really came from from the heart. You know, they say sentimiento, sentimiento. You know, which means feel, play with feeling, and it instantly put it all into perspective and made me want to be a drummer again. What is it about the world music that you like so much? Other than the feeling, feeling, you know, again, it's just being, being bored with just rock. And rock is not a boring medium. And jazz is not a boring medium either. Like, um, you know, I've always been known as that guy. When I was in Berkeley, I worked in a record store and I gravitated towards working in the international section. And I was in, played in all these bands that played a type of music called Sukus, which is like this Zairean highlight. With all these guitars and stuff, and and it just really, it really spoke to me. It had, it, it was one of the, it was one of the types of music that was incredibly soulful, mostly African-based music, because it's because uh, for drummers it's real syncopated, it's real soulful, it's really, its emphasis is on pocket, whether there's a lot of notes or not. It, there's a lot of, a lot of pocket. Your other album is Culver City Dub Collective. And I found it interesting that you don't have your name on either of the album covers. I was hoping you could tell us about that album. And is that just humbleness or what is that about? So funny you ask that. You know, 
I really found in both of these these records that I I sort of was like I stepped into the role of a of a, of a producer, you know. Uh, with Ritmo Canto, I really was a producer playing pretty basic parts, you know. And there were really some masterful Cuban drummers, Juan Calvo Flores, who's who since passed away, and Teresita Dome Perez, who's like one of the most gifted and revered Afro-Cuban singers and dancers, you know, there is, you know, and then, and I think a lot of it is like uh, just hearing all these drummers that have really moved me and wanting to interact with them. And for me to put my name on it would be just kind of weird, you know, these are definitely group projects, you know, same with Culver City Dub Collective. I, I, I co-wrote the record with my friend Francho Tone and and it was my idea just to get a, get all these musicians on there that I loved, and you know, it's a lot of a lot of people on there like um, that I got to rub elbows with. Be it Jack Johnson, be it with Marilyn Podluski, be it with Paula Fuga, Eric Avery from Jane's Addiction, Winston Jarrett, and Wadi Gad, who were kind of reggae greats. You know, this guy Don Cavalli, who's a French singer whom I've never even met. David Rollicky, who used to play with Beck. Just the list goes on and on of just all these incredible players that just are hanging out in L.A. That I almost feel like it was like I was a guy sitting in a cafe during the 1800s when Impressionism was breaking, you know, and no one else quite got it. But I was there. I'm like, oh, man, I'm here with all these incredible artists. Let's do something, you know, before I have while I have time, you know, that's what it feels like being in L.A. Kind of just like so many incredible people around me that I just want to pull in and play with, you know. And thankfully, that music was preserved on the record. And one of the tracks on the album, the fifth track, is, uh, I really like that one. The Makuta. I, I, Makuta. Makuta. Oh, yeah, on the Ritmo y Canto. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful track. We did a remix on, um, we did like a reggaeton remix on the, uh, on the Cobra City Dub record as well. Great track. That's Teresita Dome Perez um, doing a song called Makuta, and it's, it's one of the songs that's not religious. A lot of these songs are sacred on Ritmo y Canto because it, it, it alludes to the, uh, the Yoruba tradition and the sacred music. But Makuta is one that it, it's, it's a very incredible dance. It's really energetic and stuff, too, and, and it kind of veers away from, from a lot of the sacred Yoruba deities and, 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 and that religion. So... Bakuto is a fun one as well, and and it was great doing a remix, and, and we had the guys from Oso Motley singing on it, and a lot of great drummers, and David Leach used to play with Ben Harper, and a lot of a lot of folks. Makuta's a banging track for sure, both both the remix version and the original version. With all of this, you also play drums with Jack Johnson. Mm. How did you come to meet Mr. Johnson? Through through J.P. Plunier, who produced Jack's first and last record, and who's really been instrumental in helping me get started in show business, really. Well, I've always played, but he's, he's definitely somebody that's introduced me to some pretty great players and, you know, and provided me with some pl little playing opportunities, you know, a lot of great stuff. J.P. Why do you think Jack Johnson has gotten so popular with people? Uh, he's, he's incredible, dude. Jack, Merlo, Zach, everybody in the band's really great players. He, he's an amazing songwriter. I knew it from the first second I met him. I think there's this, this is just in my mind. I think he's got great taste. I think his, his music is simple, but it really says a lot. Um, I think people know that he means what he says. 
you hear his stuff and it just it blows you away. He's like one of those rare talents that the way his phrasing is, the way his voice is, it's real soulful. And yet somehow it reaches. I mean, we're all into like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and the Meters and James Brown. But there's a folk element where he's able to like say some words and melodies and talk about some feelings that that kind of reach everybody. You know, it's a it's a transcendental thing. It's a spiritual thing. Like if you go hang out at his place in Hawaii and see him around his family and see him surfing, you really kind of get this whole otherworldly kind of thing, place where he comes from that that is quite humbling. You mentioned a couple of the other people in the band. We had the opportunity to talk to Zach Gill, and it's a talented band. In any in any type of touring act, you always have you know a lot of focus on the the main person, the singer. But then I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about the dynamics of the band. Yeah, man, we've been together since I've been playing with Jack since um, two thousand. It's been a while. Wow, what can I say, man? We've been together this whole time and. It's like kind of a brotherhood, you know? In some ways, it's it's really funny because me and Jack and Merlo met and our our common bond was was music and, and interpreting his songs. And, and, you know, we went on the road together in, in, a, in a minivan, really. And uh, we really, those early days, was just a three-piece with an acoustic guitar, no effects, a little drum kit, and a bass, you know? And... Uh, you know, I think together we just made this music and believed in each other as friends and as people. So, so, you know, if you're in a band long enough, you're going to go through ups and downs where everyone's a little different and there's, there's months being on the road and being, being together and, and stuff like that. But ultimately, like, if the band stays together as long as we have, there's like this love and there's this respect and there's knowing each other like brothers, like like you know everything about it not everything but so many things about this person good and bad you know and it's and it's where your true colors show and i think we've really gone through so much that we we just know each other and really care for each other and yet in some ways we're all so different you know when someone listens to one of your records or when they see you in concert what is it that you hope the listener gets out of the experience oh man i have no clue like i i know I hope they enjoy it. You know, I know for me, music, when I hear a good song, like I love drumming, I could hear, I could listen to a Miles Davis record and hear Tony Williams play the fastest ride pattern. I could hear Elvin Jones do a drum solo on like a Love Supreme record. But the thing that I'll listen to over and over most of the time is it's just a beautifully crafted song that's two, two minutes and 43 seconds, you know, and I have my guilty pleasure songs. It's just like a great, a great pop song that you know with the verse and a chorus and some chord changes where it just makes you feel good and it makes you want to just crawl inside it and and just be happy and somehow find your own experience with the music and yeah i guess i hope i hope that i'm putting good vibes out there and helping with that process i shoplifted this question from cameron fro what is it that you like about music good question there's so many different things man i mean one thing is it's never it's it's never something. It's not a Rubik's cube. You you can't master it. There is no mastery of music. It's just it's limitless. It's limitless, and it's riddled with hope. There's hope all over the music. Where like, you know, no matter how much you think you know, or no matter how much you think you suck, depending on the night, there's hope. Like there's more music out there. Like you just it's one of those few things in life that you just don't question. You don't question your family. You don't question breathing. 
You don't question your friends, your higher power, if you've got one, you don't question that. And you don't question music. It's, it's always going to be something that's, that you just you wake up to and you're there with. It's a beautiful thing, you know? Great answer. I have two final questions. Sure. What is your all-time favorite meal? Interesting. Oh, it would have to be sog paneer. Yeah, what is that? Sog, sog paneer and rice. It's a, it's a curried spinach. Curry? Curry. Indian curried spinach. Wow. Rice, some samosas, and a chai. I, I think that's it. Curry is always a home run with me. Yeah, dude. My final question. This broadcast is going out all over the world. Oh, wow. So what would you like to say to the world? What would you like to say to all those people that are listening in? Oh, man. Let's see. How about this? I hope we all keep seeing live music and listening to music and making music and participating and never giving up on that. And, you know, I think that there's, there's a certain amount of love and unity and fun that we can all experience just, just through this creative process. Another great answer. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for this interview. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.